You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Well, let's hope that uh, this time the recording is better. I can only hope. It's the, the right. The right thing is chosen for episode 338, but I'm almost tempted to, like, stop it and listen. In fact, I'm going to. Just do it. Hold on. So I stopped it. I listened to it with you guys. You guys listened to it with me. It was a group effort. Um, congratulations. Episode 338 of the New Utah Podcast. <laughs> it's teamwork right there. Uh, this time, the uh, USB camera that is attached to the recording laptop is not taking over <laughs> the recording. Those of you who listened last week, I'm we, really we sorry. sincerely apologize. When I started going to edit the show and I listened to I'm like, oh, motherfucker. And I was like, that's why I was able to see Julia and Bree talking during the intro, which oh, like, yeah. made me mad because I could see the waveform. And they're like, we weren't near the mics. And I'm like, I saw it. because it was picking it up on the Yeah. So I really camera. apologize. If you managed to listen to that first 25 minutes, thank you. I don't know why the fuck you would have. After I heard like 60 seconds of it, I was like, this is garbage. I almost I, threw it out. I listened to it the next day. It was crappy. It wasn't the worst. It was listenable barely. But it sounded like we recorded it in a tin can. Yeah, because the, we the, did it the, the, the microphone bathroom. is like... <laughs> in the bathroom. The microphone's like four feet above my head and behind me. Yeah. Well, and you can so, hear everything. You can hear the background. You can hear... Yeah, which is not... The dog. The dog breathe. I, so, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. I apologize, listeners. You deserve better. We'll try harder for the rest of the year. I'm I'm not going to try that hard tonight because the waking up at three o'clock this morning is hitting me now. Hey, uh, Donald Trump is going to announce something here in about an hour. By the way, in case yeah, you're wondering, he's running for president. Something twenty four. The most something? not kept secret ever. Dumbass. He does know he's going to do is split the Republican vote. But he right? also like he did. Did he not pay attention to the election? Like Trump I hope supporters. So. Didn't you mean do well. His red tsunami that he was boasting. Well, that- so in August, like before the road decision, there was 100% like the polling looked like not only were Democrats going to lose, they were going to lose by a lot. And I think that uh, um, Democrats made some plays that seemed to work out for him, promoting like some uh, total fucking whack job pro-Trump like election denier candidates. And uh um, none of them won, won for the most part. So, yeah. you know. I just want to thank Generation Z for voting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like I, I talked about, uh, to, to some people I work with, like, look at a national level. I don't think we're really, we don't have, like, I was surprised Evan McMullen put up the fight he did, by the way, because we haven't even, we haven't talked about this because it was last week. That was while we were recording um, yeah. last week was election. <clears throat> as has been the case the last six years for every election. We record on forward Tuesdays. <laughs> but, you know, I was surprised Evan McMullen put up the fight he did. Uh, the, the tally's, I wasn't. the tally's still not in for how much that campaign cost, but I don't know that, uh, a Senate candidate, uh, Republican Senate candidate in the state of Utah spent that much money ever, uh, or might ever will again. Um, so just sad. Mike Lee still won. God, he's a fucking idiot, isn't he? It does not surprise me, but if you want to be on the show, Mike, you're welcome, but you're a fucking moron. Just want to throw that out there. We've had other Republicans on the show. We've had, I mean, fuck, we had Burgess Owens on the show. Um, 
unfortunately, he was reelected as well. But Something I'm not a fan of. At some level, those national races, I've started to just even completely give up on with the gerrymandering. Um, well, and, and too many people just vote straight ticket in Utah. Yeah, There's I, even a button you can just... I am still press. convinced, 100% convinced, if you take the party affiliations off the ballot, it would change things dramatically. Oh, it would, because people would actually have to, like, read up on it. Man, i got to turn you up. You're really quiet. Yeah, people would either have to read read what they say, or there would be people, people that... I wish vote. they would. I wish they would. I, wish, take I want them to do off. the, what is that rating voting that? Ranked choice rank voting? Choice, I want uh, them to do that. We do it in the primaries. And um, I want them to just do that all the time. I think that would be cool because then, like, you get to pick a couple of different candidates so your mm-hmm. vote doesn't just get tossed out if you didn't pick the main one That's, or two. The other thing that frustrates me is there were a couple of uh, no contests, a couple of people that had nobody running up against them, which is always frustrating and sad. But. And I, I will say, your vote does absolutely matter in the local elections. And what I mean by that is like our state representatives race, 4,100 votes were cast in that race. I think the winner, I think Ashley won by like, I don't know. She won by a lot. I mean, she wins significantly just because it, of the area. But when 4,100 ballots are cast in an area that's tighter, every single vote Every matters. vote makes a difference. Like she won by a few hundred, but it's a few hundred. Like that's not much. No, that's like your neighborhood. Yeah. Like that's that that's not even my neighborhood. I mean, fuck, there were five votes that came out of our house. Yeah. Um, so well, four out of here and one out of Bree's mom's house. But yeah, she's so in I, a I know, slightly I know. different area. She like had an extra thing on her ballot. And- the, most people vote presidential, which that's nice. But to be honest with you, that vote's not going to make the kind of difference. It's not going to make any difference for you. Your local really. votes will, because that's your local leaders. That's your town council, your state reps. Right. Like, those are the people, the, the county treasurer, the county sheriff, the, the county DA. The, those are the races that actually matter to your daily life. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'll get off the election high horse. I just thought I'd talk about it a little bit because it did just happen and it's Utah. Um, I participated in a magic summit. Last week. How did um, that last go? Weekend. So I think I talked about it a little bit. So there was that big thing in Vegas. Yeah, we talked about um, Vegas. Which, okay, sidebar on the Vegas thing. So there's been a lot of complaints about Hasbro recently, and in particular Wizards of the Coast, which is the division that Hasbro has bought that does all the Magic Gathering stuff. Magic turns out is like 15% of Hasbro's revenue. Just that one thing is like 15% of their revenue. That's significant. And uh, the Bank of, Bank of America just double downgraded them <laughs> to, uh, I can't remember, from buy to something else. Um, I'd have to look it up. Uh, but they double downgraded their rating, uh, their credit and stock ratings, um, which is a, a big deal. And that's on the back of them doing a deep dive into their magic um, business ventures. And basically what they said is they are printing too much too often. They're disenfranchising players. They are devaluing the product. So thing about magic is it's a trading card game. But it's also called a collectible card game. There are cards in Magic that are worth $10,000, right? right. Uh, not all of them, but like you open up a pack of, uh, of cards and used to be, you know, half, you know, there's 20 cards in the set worth $10 or more, right? Like that would not be uncommon. Now there's usually one or two that are worth over $20. But, you know, when you're cracking a, a pack of cards that cost three or $4 and you come across one of those, you're like, you feel good. Like, Hey, I got my money's worth out of opening this pack up. That just doesn't happen very often anymore. 
because they make so many and they've been reprinting so much stuff. Yeah, once you reprint, any of that stuff that's worth money just drops. Yeah, so, I mean, some of it's still worth money, but basically what they said is, based on what we're seeing in the community, what we're seeing in terms of sales uh, and competitive stuff, like, they're hurting themselves at, at the, at the, um, gain of short term gains from selling all this stuff. Now they're really hurting the longevity of this product. It's been around for 30 years. Uh, and so they, they gave them a double downgrade. <laughs> it's just like pretty significant. And I, I guess the thing that really tops it off, I was telling Bree magic, you know, wizards of the coast releases 30th anniversary set. Three booster packs cost you a thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, maybe it's four booster packs, but regardless, it's it's stupid. Like you're paying two hundred and fifty dollars for a, a pack of cards. The cards themselves are reprints of some of the earliest Magic cards, so you can get a Black Lotus or uh, you know stuff that's on the reserve list, which means they're never going to reprint it. So you can get those cards, but they're not legal in any kind of play because they you don't a bunch have of cards. That you paid a bunch. They of have a different special with. back on them, not the not the magic back. So you can't use so they're them. They're more of a collector's item. But they're not really cuz they're garbage. They're just proxies that you can go fucking buy real proxies from China that are better quality anyway for 20 bucks. It's like uh, back in the day, I was never big into baseball cards, but my grandparents were when I was a kid, so they'd send me all kinds of uh, baseball cards. So I've actually got a fairly large collection of baseball football mm-hmm. from the 70s and 80s. When they were. Point is, if they were to reprint any of those, the value is gone. Yeah, for there's the most no part. point. If you so, if you've got some original, which I've, I've, it's been forever since I've looked through, but I know I've got a few that are worth some pretty good money. Yeah. Um, I know I've got like a John Stockton rookie. I've got a few things like that that. My grandparents gave me years. Trading cards are big right now, too, especially and, sports cards. But you reprint something like that, it's done. It's yeah. over. Well, and, you know, part of it is they do have to reprint some of them because it is a game. Right. And there's tournaments and stuff like that. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. So uh, Utah had a big event happen last weekend um, called the Magic Summit. They had a whole bunch of uh, professional players and content creators coming into town Um to play in a, a couple of big tournaments. Um, the biggest was a, uh, a Black Lotus tournament, so you could win a Black Lotus if you won the tournament. Um, that's what I participated in. Uh, I was doing pretty well. Uh, I lost to a pro that I watch online frequently, uh, which kind of sucked, but it was cool to play him. Mean, well, like, if you had to listen to a pro, though, that's not that's decent. Yeah, like a legit pro, like one yeah. of the probably top 100 in the in the world pro. It's not like you lost to the Ward basketball right. player. Yeah. And then I lost to another dude, and, you know, it was three losses and you were out, and I didn't have a great card pool. And so uh, on Sunday I was kind of watching, like, that, that tournament, and they, they, you know, post the standings in the Discord channel they were using. Uh, and I look, and in the top 16 are – Two of the dudes I lost to. So I felt pretty damn good <laughs> about good. that. Like, at least I lost to the best people in the tournament. Right. Uh, and then, you lost to some 12-year-old kid. Yeah, and one of them made top eight, and uh, that was the pro uh, that I played against. He ended up losing. But uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. It was quite the event. There were a lot of people there, a lot of people from out of state. Uh, I went at the beginning, and there weren't that many. 
Uh, yeah, that's because no one had gotten there yet. Uh, next door to it at the Salt Palace Convention Center was a uh, conspiracy theorist. He was trying uh, to get me to go over there, and I wouldn't. A uh, convention called the Red Pill University. That would have been interesting. <laughs> uh, it was certainly interesting. Uh, so saw... you brought all the weirdos from Salt Lake downtown this last Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly interesting. <laughs> the recluse from every level. <laughs> Uh, I did, uh, Jeremy did want to retell his B story from last week since most yeah, of you Yeah, since our recording was messed I up. I can listen to it again. And it's this, a great story. And so, so I'm going to retell. So if you listen to it last week, you get to hear it again. So, uh, last weekend, not the weekend we just had, but the one before, uh, the temperature here in Utah has dropped significantly. I was planning on a second, uh, honey Gosh. harvest. It just got way too cold, way too fast. For example, it's still cold. It was like 20 degrees this morning when I went yeah. out the dog. So it's super cold. So anyway, we're out there getting it ready. Um, I insulated, I cover it up at the end of the season. So I go out there and I'm getting ready to start and I notice a wasp, which that's not really that big of a deal. And as I kind of get going, I notice a few more wasps and I'm like, that's not a good sign. Then I open up the little window and I can see quite a few wasps. So I'm really worried. At that point, I look down on the ground and I see dead bees all around the opening. And so those of you who follow the show know I've had a lot of bee tragedies over the years. So I'm thinking, oh, no, I lost the hive. So I get it pulled open. Because uh, I need to open it to insulate it anyway. So I pull open it, and on the one side, there's a divider that keeps the live colony uh, from expanding too much. So so I adjust it throughout the season as they grow. So I get to that, and, and I get to just before it, and I realize the wasps are on the blank side where the bees aren't. So I pull up that divider to see what's going on, and as soon as I open it up, the bees attack the wasps and pull them down to the bottom. And at that point, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, I look down on the ground a little closer, and I realize they're all dead wasps. They're not my bees. So the wasps had been trying to get into the hive, but the bees... But the bees killed them. The sentinels were doing their job and stopped the wasps. Yeah, and I didn't realize you plugged all three holes in the winter. I thought you left one of them up. Yeah, I plug all three because there's a couple spots... That are wide enough for the bees. That are wide enough that the bees can get out if they need to. Down there on the bottom, so the bottom comes off and it adjusts. So I put it down just enough. I mean, you you can't even put your pinky in there, but it's big enough for a bee to get in and out if, if they... So Which is all you really need. On a slightly warmer day, they they get out, do their thing. Uh, Take but, a dump, you know. But I close those holes because those holes are pretty sizable for a bee. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I put everything together, got it insulated, all put back together. So I was super happy. They killed all the wasps. Yeah. It was dead wasps and a lot of them. That's still a cool ass story. Even the so anyway, time that's kind of my recap because that one's worth telling. Well, and actually, probably people could actually hear it this time because it was not great. Last week. So. Yeah. Again, sorry about that, folks. Julia's got problems with her thermostat. Yeah. You always have problems like with your Like your car or your house? No, like my house thermostat. Well, yeah, I assume that. Um, Usually it's my car. But yeah, so uh, we've noticed in our apartment the last little bit, it's just re- been really freaking cold. And the bathroom's really freaking hot, okay? So we've had this work order in for like a week to go and check the thermostat because it says low battery on it. So they went and they fixed it the other day and they replaced it. But now the buttons on the thermostat don't work. (laughs) So our apartment on heat is set to 62 degrees and will not turn on unless you flip it to on and not auto. And air conditioning is set to 81 degrees. 
<laughs> so we can choose if we want it to be 60 degrees or 80 degrees because the buttons do not work. And we've had work orders in for a couple of days. We're just freezing. So you put a work order in to change the battery? To change the battery. And they just gave us a whole new thermostat why console. Just, and they didn't check the buttons to make sure they work. Why didn't you just take it off the wall and change the battery that, yourself? It didn't work that way. They just gave us a whole <laughs> new one. They had to replace the I don't know. But we're we're supposed to put in a work order even if there's a light bulb out. So. What the fuck? That's so yeah. weird. If there's like, if you're, if you're, Dude, if you're, yeah. if your smoke detector's beeping, you are not supposed to touch it. You're supposed to put in a work order and let them to come take care of it. What the hell? When I, if your blinds bend, they come fix when it. When I lived in an apartment, we were responsible for all of that shit. They wouldn't come do no. anything. No, if you have anything at all. What the hell happened? Bree just got really wide mouthed and. Apparently there's an active bomb threat, um, at the hospital and that's where Sean is. Uh, oh, the U. That's not good. That sucks. She'll be okay. It's not real. I hope. It's fake news. It's not fake news, but it's not a real bomb threat, I hope. Hope it's a fake bomb threat. Someone pissed off about COVID restrictions or something. I will say, uh, in the areas where we have clients that don't want to wear masks, um, that have like, like really restricted, like unrestricted masks, no, Grant, we run medical clinics, right? Uh, they're climbing up in their risk for COVID. And I will say this because I, I look at these numbers quite a bit. Get a fucking flu shot, people. It's that time of year. It's, it's not, oh, it's ju- actually it's, early. It's early. So I was showing Bree some of the charts from the CDC. We're like four to six weeks earlier than normal and we are climbing fast. Like, like it's almost like perpendicular. Like it's almost a straight line up. And RSV is so bad that uh, primary children's has been canceling surgeries because they, they need the beds for RSV patients. Right now one of my uh, co-workers daughters has RSV. And COVID positivity rates are rapidly on the rise. Uh, so like and people aren't even getting tested that often uh, because of the home kits which makes sense but right. uh, they are getting tested still and the positivity rate uh, when they're getting tested is is close to that twenty five percent mark again. So I got mine. I had my just my yearly physical two weeks ago. And while I was there, like, you want the flu shot? And I'm like, yep. I'm sitting right here. Let's do it. Go to you know yep. your house anyway, though. So that's what I I got mine when and I went and got my physical too. So. so by the way, Julia, heating blankets, space heaters. Yep, we have those. <laughs> we got those. That's about all I can tell you. Sixty's not cold enough for your pipes to freeze. So. Um, well, and you're in an apartment, like the entire building would have to go vent, out. Before well, you... the vent is in the kitchen. So that's where all of like the central heating comes from. So like our bedrooms don't even get any of that. You just have one vent. It's a crappy system. We have vents in the other rooms, but the massive, huge one is in the kitchen. That's so And it's the loudest that's... thing. It's not the air return. The air comes out of it. You can, st- I stand there and I blow dry my hair with it. The crap they can get away with uh, in apartments. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. It blasts. It'll like knock papers off your fridge and stuff so the magnets that's what they're for the magnets the magnets oh so uh turkey shaped butter by the way at uh, pirate o's remember when we had i I don't want to disparage pirate o's but you can get that at Harmon's. you know that right yeah i know you can get it pretty much anywhere but what's his name i keep like it's or oral oral oran or something it's like oreo but not oreo yeah so when we had the owner orion yeah orion he was just so excited about his butter yeah and and it's available that's actually been available for like a week or so but i i, I got the notice that the uh come and get your your turkey shaped butter from pirate o's speaking of pirate o's i can never 
talk about Pirate O's without thinking about the root beer store. I don't know why I associate the two of them together. They they're, ha- well, they're not really close to each other. But Pirate O's has a whole so crazy they root do beer not have the root beer store. So for my though. birthday, not as much as the root beer store. We were we were out running errands and we got done with the errands early and we couldn't go to Tsunami that early. So Chris finally took me to the root beer store and we have a whole bunch of root beers. I am. I will say this. I'm a little disappointed. The root beer store has redesigned inside a little bit. Also, I still think they're a drug front. No it way they got kind of sketchy in there. But the, like Jim's Family Restaurant, I'm positive. Oh that well, is, oh, that's Greek Mafia. Yeah, it, yeah. I can tell you real. some stories about. No, I'm it, anyway. I can tell you stories off the air about <laughs> them uh, from some of the stuff I've done with them. Uh, the. The but the Ruber store used to have and they still have a huge selection, but it used to be like you remember like when we looked at those shelves, like it would be like one row from this one you know microbrewery and another row from this other one, another row from this other one, and they have a lot of like Virgils and Virgils is fine, but it's a big company. You can buy it at Harmon's. Oh yeah, you can get the like, Virgils. So you got to really dig to find the good stuff. Um, Sounds like the Speakeasy in Vegas that's relatively new. The storefront just sells like the nostalgic candy, kind of like Pirate mm-hmm. but it is a legit speakeasy and you have to have the code or whatever. And one of the like, um, beer, um, what do they call the beer, not the beer coolers, coolers, you go into it and there's a certain section that opens up to get into the speakeasy, but you have to know that's exactly what that place sounds like to me. That's like, uh, what's that place over, uh, by a fashion place? Prohibition. Prohibition used to be the hookah bar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. They redid the the front, and they put a a door inside so the. So if wall. you walk in, it just looks like a shallow, like like a little shop, and then the door goes opens up, and you can get inside. Yeah. The so there's one in Vegas. I it just just opened, but I saw some posts on it. But it's like the nostalgic candy, and you know people in there. But it's tying in. You're like, what? It looks. But yeah, it's this amazing speakeasy behind it. So anyway, after, only after drinks are good can I call it an amazing speakeasy. Well, it's. Designed amazing. It looks super cool. Couldn't tell you about the drinks. Uh, just a few notes on some events upcoming. Thanksgiving's coming up. Just Sweet. a reminder about the ballpark giveaway. Yep. Um, the 23rd, right? Yep. 23rd. So, 23rd, go to the ballpark, open up your trunk. I want to say, there. I, I need to double check before next week when we announce it again, but I want to say they open at 9 and it's just until it's gone. Which... We, won't, we won't be announcing it next week because by the time people hear it, oh, it'll true. be over. True. So, so I want to say it's 9, double check. Uh, go online, double check, but I want to say it's nine is when they open, and it's just until it is gone, and I uh, guarantee they will give out everything they've got. I don't think it's going to take them more than an hour or two. Yeah, the winter market opened up this last weekend uh, as well. Um, it's at the gateway in that weird space at the north end of the gateway. Um, by the... By the did you see the lines beat. at Snowbird this last weekend? That was brutal. Good Lord. Yep. So it happens. Ski season's opening. Uh, I will, will say one other thing. So with Thanksgiving coming up, there's the whole Black Friday thing for whatever stores are still doing the Black Friday shit. Thankfully, most of them have decided to go back to being closed on Thanksgiving because they're fucking idiots. Um, but, uh, small business Saturday is still a thing. You know, spend money locally. Don't just go to Target and buy whatever the fuck they're selling or Walmart or whatever store that is. Go buy stuff local for for the holidays. Julia, you're doing um, something, aren't you? For on your small shop. business Saturday, small business Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yep. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're gonna have thirty percent off, and then like twenty percent off, and then fifteen percent off, and gifts with purchase. Hey, so. I was gonna ask you, do you get on whatnot? Do you sell on whatnot? No. You should one hundred percent do it. I'll I'll talk to you afterwards. Okay. 
I think it would be a, a useful bit of time for you. Uh, yeah. So that's probably good enough for now. All right. With us this week is uh, Elcio Zanata, who is the, uh, you're the owner and creator of Arborgene Kitchen. Yes. I just want to make sure I got that right because I didn't write that part down. And so <laughs> I, I assume uh, you are you are the, the creator. Um, I've actually met you before. You probably don't know that or remember me, but um, we came in to potentially do point of sale stuff for you years ago in, uh, I want to say Provo or Orem. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. but early on with your staff, but uh, I don't think that worked out. But uh, I'm not in that business anymore. So, <laughs> so uh, where, uh, I guess we can start with uh, when were you born? What's your birthday? What's just the month and the date that you were born? Uh, okay, April 8th. April 8th. So July. So 4th of July, baby, maybe. That kind of depends on where he was born. Yeah, where were you born? I was born in Brazil. In Brazil. So, Fourth no. of July in Brazil means nothing. No, no, but no. Uh, uh, <laughs> April 8th, April 8th. Yes, right. April, but... They're talking about your conception Nine date. months before that would be July. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good <laughs> Maybe your parents were at a concert, Julio and Glacia. I don't know. That, that's probably a lot First of all, that's ago. not how you say you know, it. You know, that sounded really racist <laughs> There is something special because uh, I was born in the same day as my mom. At oh, fun! Two generations of July love. Yeah, you see. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so where at in Brazil? It's a, a city called Uberlândia. Oh, okay, okay. The state of Minas Gerais. Minas Gerais is in the southeast of Brazil, just above São Paulo. Oh, okay. So it gets kind of cold down there, doesn't it? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Not like it gets here today when it's 20 degrees at 6 in the morning? No, not really. So uh, how long long did you live in Brazil? Did you grow up there your whole life? I grew up there. I lived there until I was 26. And then my wife and I moved to Europe. And then we lived one year and a half there. And then we moved back to Brazil. And then in 2005, 17 years ago, we moved to America. And now we are. When you moved here, where where did you start out? Sorry? Where did you start when you moved to America? Okay. Did you move straight to Utah? Yeah, we came straight to Utah. <laughs> and then we spent one year here. We brought our children to, uh, to, to BYU. And then we moved to Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida for four years. And then we moved back to Utah. Now we are here. We have been here for 12 years. So you, you came to Utah for BYU specifically then? Yeah. I, I, in fact, the plan was to bring our children to go to BYU. We have two children. And after they graduate, we thought we would go back to Brazil. But we loved here. They married Americans. And all grandkids are Americans. And then they say, oh, now it's better to find a business here. No? Ah. <laughs> here. It's a good reason to stay. So what attracted you to Utah in the first place? Uh, oh, just, just BYU. I'm sorry. Just BYU. No. Or was there some, 
there was a connection with our church. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yes, we were baptized three years before we moved here. And then after we were baptized by the church, we, we said, oh, let's, let's have, uh, go to, to Utah to learn more about the, the, the culture, the environment. And we loved here. And then we found out about BYU. And gotcha. we decided to bring our children to this uh, wonderful university. And so, so you you went to BYU, but you said then you went to Fort Lauderdale after like a year. So well, his kids went to did, BYU. Did you drop your kids off and go live in Florida? Is that kind Not of happened? Really, because after the first year at BYU, my son went on a mission in New Jersey. Oh, okay. And in that time, I was trying to find a way to to stay, uh, keep legal in America because oh. I was under uh, my wife was studying. And I was dependent on her, but we hadn't figured out a way for me to work here yet. Gotcha. And then when our son went to, to, to the mission, we went back to Brazil, said, I'll have two years to figure out how to be back. But then a friend of mine, who, who we had business in Brazil, he had opened a restaurant in for Lauderdale. That makes sense. And he, he found out that I wanted to come to America. And then he invited me to work for him for Lauderdale. I said, oh, I don't know anything about restaurant business. Huh? <laughs> I had worked 30 years in the clothing business. And then he told me, oh, no, but you know about customer service. Come and you learn. And then I spent four years learning and helping him to open more restaurants in the East Coast. It's a Brazilian steakhouse, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, where I learned a little bit about the restaurant business. And then after four years, our children were at BYU. Then we decided to to move back to Utah, and he had applied for a green card for me. And then we 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 became and we stayed here, and so now we can live here. Huh? Now we so are gone through. Have yeah. you gone through citizenship? Uh, so you're a citizen or you're just uh, working off your green card? No, no. After some five years, we, we became Americans. Nice. We are very proud to be Americans. <laughs> so now you have dual citizenship, correct? Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a heck of a process to go through. I've known quite a few people who had to go through that process. It's not easy, is it? No, it is not. You have to be very patient to go through the right channels, huh? to do the right things, but we, we were blessed. And our my friend helped me a lot on that. So you're doing restaurants in Florida. You decide to come back to Utah. How did you get into the restaurant business here in Utah? Yeah, and then we came back and said, oh, we want to stay close to our, our children. We are very family-oriented. And then I started looking for opportunities to buy any kind of business because then they, they loved here, we loved here, so probably won't go back to Brazil. And they, um, they married Americans. Huh? And then I said, we, I told my, my beloved wife, Miriam, we need to find a business. And then I, for two years, I tried to find a business. I found some. And but they did it, nothing touched my heart, huh? mm -hmm. 
And uh, some years uh, before, in 2005, when I moved first time to America, I, I had so many dreams. I had a list of goals, <laughs> but I didn't have energy to accomplish those goals. Mm-hmm. I used to get sick very easily. And I said, well, I want to do so many things. I want to make a difference in the poor. But um, I, I, it, there was a lack of something. And then I, and then I attended a seminar in California. And the last day of the seminar was about how to be healthier and have more energy. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I learned lots of principles there. And that touched my heart. Lots of common sense. And then I came back and I told my wife, please, let's change the way you eat. Because mm-hmm. the way you eat, you become. And But she didn't buy much the idea and, and nor my children. And then I took them to the same seminar three or four months after. <laughs> and they love that. They embrace the idea. And then we start changing our lifestyle. And then we start doing more exercise, eating healthier, and still trying to keep one com- very important component to be tasty. And my wife has uh, have great talent, great ability to make good food, great food. And then we used to invite neighbors, friends, and they loved the food, even though it was healthy food. And in the past, health uh, had a connotation of, oh, no taste at all. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. Great tasty. And they loved it. And during that time, we were trying to find a business. Nothing touched us. And then we both decided to open Aubergine, a small cafe. We are using the principles we had learned, no no refined sugar, nothing fried, just baked, whole food ingredients, everything fresh, no preservatives, and then uh, still being uh, to have the balance, né? or 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 both healthy and tasty, and then we we decided to open this small cafe in Orem, close to Sprouts. And then since the very first day, it was unknown right, for us to be the first cafe, healthy cafe in Utah County. And then we opened, and since the very first day, people never stopped coming. That's marvelous. Yeah. So when did you open your first location? It was uh, April 2014, eight years ago. That's fabulous. And so, I mean, how how fast did it take off um, back then? I mean, like you said, it was kind of the first the first of its kind out there uh, down in, in Utah County. How I mean, how quickly did the business take off? Restaurant business is really risky to jump into. Yeah, it's really risky, hard work, huh? and uh, we didn't know much because when I worked in Florida, it was a different kind of restaurant. And we mm-hmm. had a big structure there, lots of people. And uh, here we are. We started starting from from scratch, from nothing. We had to do lots of things. But I had my wife Miriam. I had two kids, Eduardo and Julia, helping us. And then uh, 
I remember the first two months were great. And then when July came, declined a lot. August was not very nice. I said, oh, maybe the wave now is gone. But then after September, it started picking up. And the next year was crazy, very busy. Word of mouth worked. And yeah. we are so grateful for the community that embraced us. I remember many friends, many neighbors coming and supporting us. It was beautiful, beautiful. And people thanking us for the clean food we had. And then after that, things started improving. And then in two years after, we opened two more locations, Sugar House and Lehigh. And then we jumped from one to three, 200% of growth. And it was very hard for us. So you did you did Sugar House and Lehigh relatively close together then? Yes. Gen- February 1 and April, two months after oh, geez. third one. And then it was wow. very hard. Maybe so you're kind of crazy. Yeah, very <laughs> risky decision. Huh? And there were two good, uh, the bad and the good side. The bad side is that we didn't have much structure to have a 200% growth. But on the same time, that challenge made us find ways, made us find ways to grow and to improve, to establish processes. And that after two hard years, things start improving and getting better. Yeah. So how, I mean, how, I'm, I'm really genuinely curious about the experience of opening those other restaurants because in the restaurant business, like I said, I've, I've been around it for a while. You know, one of the things that's really difficult is to open a second location because you can you can control one location really easily. You can be there. You can make sure the quality's up up to up to snuff. You can make sure that you know the ingredients are are being taken care of and the employees are you know providing the greatest service to your customers that you want. Um, but when you open that second location, you can't be in two places at once. Yeah, that's uh, and. And especially where you open a third location two months later, like that is one of the hardest things in a restaurant to do is not only open another location, but open it and be able to repeat the same thing. Yeah, you're right. That's very challenging. I think the most important thing is about people. We have to be surrounded by good people. When we find people who have talents and we have to nurture those talents, help them to recognize, acknowledge those talents and we start valuing people. Huh? And we have been blessed with that because we have people who worked with, have been working for us for many years. Huh? Because we, don't, we need people, we need systems, and we need, need processes. Huh? I, I think I could, I could say that I had some advantage because in Brazil, we were in the clothing business and we have many stores around the southeast of Brazil. And then we had some knowledge on how to work with multi-locations, mm-hmm. how to create a system to, uh, to control, to balance, to, to see results immediately. Yeah? Profit and loss statements very fast. To say, oh, we need to improve this. A, a customer service uh, very up-to-date and very fast that allowed us to 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 recognize what's going on. Huh? 
and uh, and the rotating people too. Huh? I, uh, my wife and I spent mm-hmm. lots of time in Sugar House when we opened. After lots of time in Lehigh, because Orin had a good manager, and so forth. Huh? Therefore, if we have to have, but the most important, in my view, is to have a clear vision and a set of values. Since we start, we we I define five core values. And we taught them a lot. And I, I used to say to my uh, every new employee, oh, if you want to be successful here, you have to tr- strive to live those five values. All the answers are on them. Huh? If you don't know what to do, huh? go to the, to the, to the val- values, you have the answer. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, the managers start understanding that. And then it was easy for them to, to, to make a decision. For instance, one of the values is we are very customer-oriented. No? And therefore, if a customer has a problem, the manager says, oh, I am here to help you to resolve your problem. He, he didn't to, need to think about, oh, what do I have to do here? Can I help or not? And I think this is the most important thing that has helped us grow in more than one location. I know one problem that a lot of businesses have is the managers aren't given the authority. So the manager can't fix something. It can only be the owner or it can only be somebody higher up. So for you to give your team the authority to fix a problem, that's huge. That's very helpful to the management team, and I'm sure the customers can see that. Yeah, and I always say to them, we always uh, are looking at two things, and this even I, I taught my children. Huh? My, my, my son works for a big corporation. I say, leave the values and deliver results. Huh? If mm-hmm. you leave the values but don't deliver results, we are going to help you because you leave the values. Huh? But if you don't leave the values and even though get some results, probably you don't have fit to our culture. It's better to leave. Huh? But if you have both, huh? you leave the values and get great results, you grow with us. Huh? That's the way to, to get performance. Huh? So explain uh, explain what the restaurant actually has to offer because I don't know. You say healthy. I don't know that our listeners necessarily understand the the types of food that you guys serve at the restaurant and what the experience is like inside of it. Okay. Um, there is a – let's start something different. There is a famous doctor called Dr. Ornish. Is a very respected doctor in America, considered one of the brightest minds in the medicine field. He lives in California. And he said, all the diseases have the same origin, all without exception. Huh? It's the way you move your body, the, what you eat, the way you relate to people, and the rate to your, with yourself, the emotions, uh, management of, of stress. And you see, one maybe the, may, may, uh, the, the, the most impactful component is the way we eat. 
Huh? And then we learned, as I said to you in 2005, there are some principles né, for us to follow that will be able to help you uh, to have more energy and be healthier. Né? And then we follow these principles. What are they? Huh? Are, what are they? First, we don't compromise tasty because we want not to be a boring restaurant. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's important. Just, uh, If it doesn't taste good, people won't come back. Yeah, of course. We have to be very tasty. But second, we have to follow some principles. Huh? One of them, we know that we have now 80 million people in America from 330 million that are, have, are pre-diabetics. One-fourth of the population. If we keep eating the way you eat now, by 2050... There is a forecast that 50% of the population have diabetes. Therefore, we need to change the way. And for this, we have to stop doing something, like eating so much sugar. Huh? We know that sugar, when you eat, it's great. But after, it's not good for your body. You, you lose energy. Huh? And then we don't use any refined sugar at all, Virgin. What we do? Instead, we use dates to sweeten, sweeten our dressings. We have an, an amazing ice cream that we sweeten with dates also. And people love it. It uh, sounds milkshake. delicious. Yeah, milkshake, our milkshake is very popular and there is no sugar there. You still can be happy. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we use stevia, monkey fruit, but no refined sugar at all. And uh, we don't fry anything. I love fried fruit as far as taste. Huh? It's great. But we know it's proved by a scientific research that's not good for you. Huh? And then we just bake. And the way you, we make it, it's very tasty, very good. People love it. Our falafel is baked. Usually you, f you find falafel fried, but it's mm -hmm. not good for you. And then we... We use th those things. We don't use preservatives. Many times we pay a high price for that. Huh? For instance, in our, our uh, ice cream, we call ice cream, uh, we use vanilla. Huh? Most ice creams, they use im imitation vanilla mm -hmm. or pure vanilla because the imitation vanilla has so many bad things for you. And then we pay 17 times more expensive. It's 17 times more expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, because I have a primary question. I always ask, may our grandchildren eat here this food? If I say yes, we make it. Otherwise, we won't make it. And that's it's a pretty the, good thing to live by. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, why our grandchildren? Because it, the, the ultimate love we have huh? is the grandchildren. We love them. We want them to grow healthy. And, uh, and then we always use this as our primary question. Yeah. Another base we have is the Mediterranean, huh? My wife mm -hmm. has Lebanese origin, and the scientific res uh, res uh, uh, research shows that the Mediterranean food 
is what considered one of the best, huh? because yeah, uh, their diet supposedly yeah. the best in the world. Yeah, huh? And my wife brought so many family recipes because she is, has Lebanese origin, yeah. And then uh, we uh, we are we have lots. So I am Italian too, and then we have lots of Mediterranean uh, background. Even though we are not a Mediterranean restaurant, we are open to international culture flavors. Huh? We have an Indian, a uh, very popular dish called uh, coconut curry. We have Thai, that's from from Asia, and so forth. Huh? I think the important thing for us is always to respect our principles, never compromise that. I remember once a good friend of mine now, I brought him as a consultant to help us. And a great guy. Now we became so good friends, very good friends. But he said, I think you are doing something wrong. For what? You are trying to be right instead of happy. Uh, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think you, you, everything here is expensive. Everything here you try to do the best. Now we, we just use 100% olive oil, extra virgin olive oil from Europe. We don't use any vegetable oil because it's not good for us. Research has shown that. And he said, no, you can cheapen uh, many things here. I said, no, I want to be happy and right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I love the end much more than or. Or is lots of restriction. I think we have to be, to deliver the best is still be viable, have results. Huh? And this has dri dri driven us huh? to work hard every day, every day. Huh? And one of our values is continuous improvement. <coughs> We want to be better every day, little by little, helped by our fantastic team of employees we have, of workers we have. And and your restaurant is a like a, a fast casual type of restaurant, right? It's not like a sit down. Um, someone comes to your table, takes your order, sort of place. You you go up and you order at a counter, and then you go find your seat. Yes, it's a fast casual. Yeah. it's a the idea. What's the idea? No, we have the fast food, mm -hmm. it's a processed food, fast. No? We have the sit down. That's a more refined food, but uh, they thought, okay, people who would like to go to to dine, uh, sit-down restaurant, but didn't have time, huh? they, and they want something better, more elaborated, no? they start uh, desiring the fast casual, no? and it's a, a more beautiful environment, a fast restaurant, it's still fast, but a better food. That's the idea of the fast casual. Huh? So are you uh, primarily lunch, primarily dinner, or a, more of a lunch and dinner? Yeah, it, it, interesting. At the beginning, we were very strong in lunch, not so much in din, din, uh, dinner. But now we have a balanced uh, uh, group of customers coming lunch and dinner. Both are strong for us, fortunately. I I remember uh, having uh, an acai bowl from you guys years and years ago. Um, 
and that was honestly it was more breakfast feeling than anything. I think it had like a, a whole bunch of fresh fruit in it, and and of course like the acai base and some maybe some oats. I don't remember. Um, you guys still do those, I assume. Yes, we still have acai. Yeah, we have lots of good desserts, acai, nice cream, smoothies. And before the COVID, we used to open for breakfast, but then we decided to close the breakfast, but we still maintain most of the items. And we are planning maybe to go back to the, and to open the, the breakfast again. So just out of curiosity, how did COVID affect you? Obviously, it f affected everybody, but how did it affect your business? You know, as everybody had the same situation, uh, in one week or two days, my sales dropped 75%. <clears throat> okay. The first two days, I was kind of dizzy, dizzy. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And then after two days, one thing, I lived so many hard moments in Brazil with hyperinflation. Huh? Mm -hmm. Then I, I thought, okay, if I was alone in this situation, it would be so hard. As I am together with everyone, I think everyone will be willing to help. We are in the same boat. We're, we're in the same boat. And then with confidence, I knew that things would go better. And then uh, I kept all my employees. I think that was important to help mm -hmm. them. And I remember we had for the first 30 consecutive days, we used to have a phone call every night with all my managers and say, oh, what do you feel? What's, what's going on? Are you afraid of something? And then we had one hour conversation by phone in the first 30 days. And little, we adapt, of course. We, are, we create some drive-thrus, uh, even in the street. The shopping, the plaza allowed mm -hmm. them, uh, us to get that. And then we start adapting, uh, increasing, investing in online orders. And little by little, sales start going up. And then after that, it's, it kept growing. Because people are more conscious now, huh? and they want to eat better now. Right. Well, I, I think what what you said there about keeping your employees, I think that's a that's a thing that a lot of restaurants either couldn't or just didn't do. Uh, and I, you know, to what you were saying earlier, where you know one of the things you think was successful for for you as a business is instilling your your you know your vision as a business and your mission and your values into your staff and having good staff you know, turns out good business and to, to take on that, that role and keep your employees employed. And, and I mean, really having a call every day like that, that's, that's mind boggling to me. Like most businesses wouldn't do that. And, and I can imagine trying to start back up with all new people and still come up with ideas on how to keep the business alive how difficult that would be without keeping your staff. Yeah. And we never closed any day. Since I opened the business in 2014, we never closed by lack of employees. They were always willing to help, sacrifice, but they knew that I could, they could count on us. I think that that's, that relationship is important. Huh? 
Yeah, that's really big. That's really big. So how many how many stores do you guys have now? How many restaurants do you have? Yeah, we opened last week in San Jorge, the Ace. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize you had that many. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we, and we are building another one in Farmington. Did you did you ever open, after you did Sugar House and Lehigh two months apart, did you ever open two others that close together <laughs> after that? I think I, I, I was not a good learner. <laughs> 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 and then I opened uh, Riverton, January 16, 2020. That's the one by me. Yeah. And uh, one week, two weeks later, I opened American Fork. <laughs> Wow. Dang, you're on a roll. Yeah, and, and 45 days after Bose, huh, the second one, of course, American mm -hmm. Fork, uh, we we were locked down. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Locked down. Oh, geez, that is just crazy. Yeah. And you kept that staff as well. Yeah, I kept, and little by little things start evolving. You know, some hard moments are important because we find ways to improve. We find ways to become better, né? And uh, to get results, to unite the team, né? I think mm -hmm. that's important, né? When we have much success, sometimes we we are kind of, oh, we think we can, né? We think we are too good. And then we start making mistakes. And But when we are in a hard situation we are more humble and then we we are willing to listen better uh, to learn more and to help each other i think those hard moments were important and after the covid i think the company came stronger no? yeah i can imagine i mean that's you know talk about a way to build some loyalty in your staff too yeah. that's i mean that's a big step to take as a business owner mm-hmm that's uh that's really impressive to me. Sorry, I thought you wanted oh. to say something, Jeremy. It looked like you were <laughs> gonna ask something. <laughs> so where are all of your locations now? So Yeah, we have the first one in Orem, and then we went to Sugar House, and then to Lehigh, Riverton, American Fork, Draper, uh UVU. We are having an experience in a college to help the, the, the young community. Is that one on campus? On campus. Like in the yeah, it's a small operation campus. And now we open St. George. We're in St. George. We amplified Orem last year, too. We moved from a small location to a bigger location. The same oh, plaza. Nice. Yeah. St. George is doing great. Uh, where, where at in St. George is the, the new location? It's, uh, how could I say, it's close to to Washington, the border to Washington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is Smith Supermarket in that mall. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the community is so happy and embracing us too. Is that, uh, is that, that, that is that that restaurant that's closed? Did you take over that building or are you in a new building? No, it's a new building owned by Woodbury. They built a new building. It will be a pickup lane, a kind of drive-through. Oh, nice. Yeah, you order online. We haven't implemented yet the first week. You probably will implement by beginning of December. And then you order online, go to the lane and pick up in the window your food. That's a great. That's a great model. Lehigh, we are implementing this in December too. 
That's great. That's great. And you said you're you're building a location up in Farmington as well? Yes. Probably we are going to open end of January, beginning of February. It will Excellent. be in the, the Station Park shopping mall. There. Oh, that's a perfect area. That's a really busy area yeah, up there. We're sure. very excited for that. So do you have plans to venture outside of Utah, or do you just want to keep this a Utah operation? I, I mean, our our vision is to have 300 locations in 11. Wowie. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, in, 11, in the four corners of America. That's the idea, to help the communities, to make to help people change lives. And that's the that's the vision. So is it something that you're thinking of franchising, or will it be you opening all of these 300 locations? Yeah, I think the model of the the fast casual, especially healthy food, I think franchise is not a good fit in my view. Maybe I'm wrong, but I prefer to go to grow by ourselves. It's tough to franchise something like that because, you know, when you franchise, one of the things that you do is you, you create essentially a distribution network as well. And I think it becomes a little more difficult to control quality of, you know, you're, you're using stuff that doesn't have preservatives in it. Yeah. And that, that in and of itself is a tough thing to do at scale. Yeah, of course. For instance, our hummus, uh, we cook our garbanzo beans every day, black beans. We don't open cans and put in the line. No, we cook the beans. You start with dried beans. And- yeah, dried beans. And then we want uh, to to preserve this. Huh? It's important so, to, to have this. Do you have a commissary or does each location do all of its own food prep? No, each location does their own food. Only That's fantastic. Food. Yeah, yeah. Because that's something you see a lot too, even with non-franchise businesses that have, you know, so many restaurants in an area, like you guys have quite a few in the, you know, Salt Lake, Utah County area to have a centralized kitchen, but where you guys are making everything on site at each of these locations. That's yeah. really impressive. Yes. Yeah, so Do you get a lot far- of like farmer's market foods and things? Sorry? Do you get a lot of like local produce where you're able to? Yeah, we, we find, we get some local, but through our distributors. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's very, that makes sense. Yeah, it's very different for us to Yeah, have, different different uh, story. Yeah, but for instance, our distributor, he buys from many farmers in Utah. Some that's awesome. Just, just some in some seasons. Huh? Right. Well, that's one thing, being in Utah, only certain things can you get locally during certain times of year. So if you need something that you're going to serve year-round, you, you just can't get all of it locally. Yes. You don't have a lot of blueberries growing in December in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have some dishes that are seasonal too. Huh? For instance, peach. We use peach during the summer. Huh? Uh, asparagus in summer. Huh? Brussels sprouts, sprouts winter. And we, we, we have some changes in depending on seasonality, trying to, to favor the, the products that are better for you, depending on the season. So like right now where the fall and winter squash are coming on, are you utilizing more of that in your uh, menu right now? Yeah, we have a, a spaghetti squash that we were inspired in Italy. We went there and uh, with a special sauce made with cashew. It's a, a white sauce made with cashew. Uh, it's not. It's a vegan, 
but it's extremely tasty and it's very popular, the spaghetti squash. Yeah, uh, cashew and, cheese is really good. Yeah, and then we use with uh, mushroom, huh? And then it's that very sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, we have this, and we launch the risotto, cauliflower rice risotto with the same sauce. It's been very popular too. So I, I have to ask because you are Brazilian. Do you guys have cheese bread? Yeah, that's like the quintessential Brazilian <laughs> item. I, I don't think you could even. <laughs> uh, and, and I have to tell you something uh, special, huh? Because the cheese bread is from our state, Minas Gerais. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was originated there. And we have a cheese bread that our customers love it. Yeah, I've talked to, like, I, I knew a Brazilian couple that had, uh, like, a pizza place they had opened in a, in a mall food court. And they made cheese bread, like Brazilian cheese bread as well. Oh. And I just don't know that I've ever met. A Brazilian restaurant owner that didn't have cheese bread on the menu, <laughs> regardless of what the menu was. It's very popular in our state. Uh, every breakfast has cheese bread. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So I, I noticed you guys do uh, you do pizzas now as well? Yeah, yeah. Because the question was, huh? even my grandchildren, vovô, they call me vovô. They say, we need to eat pizza sometimes. Eh? And then they... It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. I love pizza too. And especially in Italia. Huh? Mm -hmm. And uh, the question is, how can we make a better pizza for you or for us? Huh? And then we have a special Italian sauce we made with fresh tomatoes, only great ingredients, no sugar, but it's wonderful. And the all ingredients we try to do better. We have a veg pizza with all, all, lots of vegetables and we use uh, cashew cream or uh, dressing made with cashew and then it's vegan. And then we have margarita for people who want cheese but with a better sauce. Because I remember I used to buy some pizzas and after, it felt so heavy. If you eat our pizza, you won't feel like that way. And I think that that's the, the question we always ask. How can we make this same product in a better version for you? That sounds delicious. It's making me hungry. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting. I would like to share with you what we did two months ago. There is a a very respected doctor in Utah County called Dr. Josh Red. He's, he's specialized in autoimmune disease, hormones. Uh, more, he has a more holistic approach. And then he chose a patient who was uh, pretty, uh, I mean, the first day before we start the experience, he he had the, the lab results. He was pre-diabetic. His uh, immune system was very low with lots of inflammation. He weighed 325 pounds. According to his wife, he was very grumpy, no energy, didn't want to take, uh, didn't have fun with the kids. Uh, and then he started eating at Aubergine. I, we gave him free food for 30 consecutive days. 
uh, lunch and dinner, and he ate at Aubergine for 30 days, only those 30 days. He said the first two days, it was like he was in a hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was uh, used to junk food, huh? and he went volume, volume. Huh? It was hard for him. But with the help of his wife, very kind wife, he started, he kept doing. And then things start changing. He, he, he could feel he was different. He wanted to do better. And then after 30 days, jo Dr. Josh Red got other lab results, lab, lab draw, and he was not pre-diabetic anymore. His immune system improved. Inflammation dropped a lot. According to his wife, he was a new man. And this is the power of the way you eat. If you eat right, if you eat better, you feel totally different. Huh? Our motto is eat better, feel different. And there is a documentary, uh, YouTube, uh, Aubergine Experiment, that Brian, the customer, share his experience. And Dr. Josh Red tell us about what happened with him. For He was surprised, Dr. Red. He said, I couldn't believe this happened. Uh, I was expecting 120 days. 150 days, but not the power of 30 days. Therefore, it's it's important because this gives hope. Some people are struggling. Yeah, uh, I, I am in. I was in San George since the opening, and lots of customers are coming to me and say, "Oh, I love the experience. I have cancer. I'm trying to do better." Huh? We have a a video in our website of a customer who came to me. And some years ago, and she said, oh, I had cancer stage four. I, I was laying down on bed waiting to die. And then my, my doctor said, you have to change the way you eat. You have to eat more plant-based. Everything that's closer to a plant is better for you. And then she started buying salads and bowls at Aubergine. And then she said, now I lost 30, 130 pounds. Wow. I am stage two of cancer now, and I am a new person. She is in our website giving that, that text testimony. And every day someone comes to us and thanks us. For, because, not us, because thank God né, to give us the opportunity to give healthy and it's still tasty food, fresh food. That's awesome. That's really that's really good to hear. Um, thanks for taking uh, time to talk with us. This has been a uh, a great conversation. I was I'm I'm really glad that I got to hear the story of how you walked into creating you know this concept of a restaurant because there's certainly other restaurants that are um, you know competitors in that space for you. Um, but you know, I've eaten at quite a few of them and I don't think they're, many of them are as good as your heads <laughs> stuff, to be honest. Um, I was, uh, when, uh, when Bree said, Hey, this, these guys want to be on the show. And I said, Oh, I know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've eaten at their, their place once or twice. Uh, I was, I was pretty happy to, to have you guys on. So yeah, thanks for your time. We, we really appreciate it. 
Um, how do how do people uh, find your? You say list off where your restaurants are again, and and uh, you know I'm sure everyone's welcome to go in. You guys have a website as well, right? Yeah, we have we have a website, albergeinkitchen.com. We have an app, uh, Albergine Kitchen, and we have Instagram. Uh, it's nice because we do lots of education. Because I think the important thing is to educate people. Né? Many many customers come to, to us and say, I want to eat better. I feel, I feel that my body needs to eat better, but I don't know how to do it. And I always say, I think there are some important principles. It starts small. Huh? Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. try to change everything. It's very hard. Start little by little. If you eat, uh, have three meals, if you change one, it's better than zero. Huh? Yeah. Another important thing is to change the environment. Huh? Uh, if I, I work at home, and have a, a box of cookies in the kitchen. Every time I go to the kitchen, I'll get a cookie. And then at the end of the day, I ate 10 cookies. <laughs> That's why I don't have cookies in my kitchen. Uh, but I, if I have three, uh, six apples, probably I'll eat one apple or two apples. It's different. Environment is everything. Huh? I, think, I think it starts small and little by little, will change. Eh? And in December now, we are going to to launch in our website our nutrition calculator. And then you can go to our every product we have and see all the the macros for That's each great. product. And then you can switch. Okay, if I don't want this grain, I can have cauliflower rice. And then you see the results immediately. It will be dynamic, interactive, and then I think it will be a good, good, good for for our customers. It's something they are asking, have been asked for long, and then we are going to provide to them. That's awesome. That's really great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, um, and uh, hopefully our, our people will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you one more question because you – You've been all over the world. You've you you know lived in Brazil. You've been to Europe. You've been to Fort Lauderdale, um, you know. But you've made Utah your home long term here. So, what is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Utah, two important things I discovered here. First, the kindness of people here. Okay, it's different, huh? I met a person, I am in St. George right now, and I was in a hot tub last night after a long mm-hmm. day of work, and I met a guy from California, fireman, very, very, very kind fireman. And he was saying, oh, I, can't, I, I, I came here, I've been here, I bought a property here, but people here are so different. They tell me more, huh? He said, people are kind, they talk, they are friendly. In California, if I was, and then we spoke for a long time. And he said, if I were in Los Angeles, probably we're not talking. And then the beauty is still in, in Utah, is this friend friendship. Uh, my neighbors, I remember when we moved, uh, the first day there, I have a, a good neighbor called John Whitaker. He came, he knocked my door. He came, how can I help you? Huh? 
first day. Yeah? I think this community embraces people, they help people, they are friendly. I think this is unique. I think very special. There are people all, I have been in all many places, as you said, in Europe, people, good people all over the board, no doubt. But Utah is very special. Né? The community is very special, very family-oriented, né? good values. Né? And this is one thing. The other thing is, uh, I think the Utah is, I would say three things. Utah uh, has a, a, a good environment for businesses. Huh? I think the, Very true. the environment helps business to grow. They want people to expand. It's not a government, government being a, a barrier for business. By the opposite, the government say, we are here to help you. I think that's the second great thing I find here. Uh, Sugar House uh, had a problem our restaurant is in that same uh, square that we had the fire. Oh, no. Yeah. And then we were closed for two and a half days and some restaurant, my neighbors there, they are still closed. And I remember one day after the fire, I received an email from the Utah government saying, we are here to help you. Whatever you need, we are here to help you. Call me, call us. And we are going to help you. I think this is is great because say, oh, I can invest more. I can create my jobs because the government wants us to grow. I think this, uh, we are here. We take for granted. But if you go to California, probably you won't feel the same. If you go to <laughs> other countries, you won't feel the same. America is very special. And the third thing, I would say the four seasons, huh? I like the Four Seasons. I love the Four Seasons. Uh, fall is special for me. I, I like to be on the mountains. Uh, it's mm -hmm. short, like life. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> usually Some like, years shorter than others. <laughs> yeah, usually it's like life. Winters are long uh, in life. <laughs> the harvests are so short. Huh? But it's beautiful. Those are the three things I, I, I would say that I, I love at you in Utah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, your kindness. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to meeting you three at Aubergine for a, for a lunch or dinner. Whenever yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make that happen. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friends. Bye-bye. All right, Julia. What's our card stay for the week? All right. It says you need some fucking yoga in your life. Ancient shit is cool. See? I actually do. I really want yoga, yoga eating healthy. See, so that just rolls right into it. That's true. So I, I watched uh, Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix. Oh, I, um, I haven't seen it, but I saw that pop up. <laughs> uh, so the the guy that did it um, and one of the geologists that he has on there with him quite a bit, those are guys that I've been listening to for a little while. This is like the pseudo conspiracy side of me. Um, but uh, th these are guys. So they're they're into studying things that um, they're they're basically getting called by the scientific community crazies and like. People they shouldn't listen to because they're not. Were they, at the, the, were they at the thing this last weekend? No, probably not. They've been promoting the show. I don't think the 700 people that showed up to the Red Pill convention was so, but 
in, in all fairness, they, um, you know, they point, it's funny because I, you know, I've, I've had thoughts about, so I've talked about my belief system a little bit on like, Hey, I don't really believe in the Bible, right? Like the Bible is just a story of things and right. it's thousands of years old. And like, if you believe it at face value, you're probably crazy. Right. Um, but one of the things, for instance, that, that makes me say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in religion as a whole because I think religion is just man's interpretation of crap. But every religion in the world has a story of a great flood, for example. Right. Right. Which tells me the logical part of my brain says we must have in human history had a great flood. Something happened. Something that was cataclysmic and killed most of the population of the earth that happened across the globe because cultures that had no connection to each other, like in the Far East, in the Americas, in the breadbasket, like cultures that didn't have any contact with each other Still. came up with a similar story. So I'm wondering, and this is my logical brain too, maybe it had to do with when the polar ice caps melted and the world was going through all of that. But see, that's a quick, that's not a quick thing. But anyway, so ancient apocalypse actually put some of that in perspective. And like they started talking about exactly what I've said in, in my life, which is everyone's got a story that's very similar. They all have these things. Why is that? And they start looking at like historical evidence and right. like, there's a lot of evidence that people existed thousands of years before archaeologists think we existed. Right. And it's stuff like understanding like, okay, how did the Egyptians build those pyramids? We can't replicate that today. How did they do it back then? And why... Are there pyramids there and pyramids in Mexico. in Mexico that have a lot of creepy similarities in terms of like not only the fact that they're pyramids, but also like the directions that they face and right. how they interact with like the solstice right. and the equinox. Like that's all stuff that's really interesting to me. And they explore a lot of that and they do a bunch of like um, – because, you know, now we have like good ground penetrating radar and LIDAR. And one of the things they do is they go to some of these like – you know, Mesoamerican sites, and they're actually finding that these temples are a lot bigger than what we think. Like right. the same ground the temples are built on have other temples buried hundreds of meters below them. The forests have just taken them over. Yeah. Did you, did you hear that they think they might have finally found Cleopatra? No. Yeah. So there's a, they found a, a tunnel that's like 400 feet below ground. That's like a tunnel inside of an underground temple that's leading somewhere. Mm. And I guess the history of her was always no man shall ever find my, my where I'm buried. But the head of the archeological dig is a woman. There you go. <laughs> and so they're wondering if the, like, huh. if there's some, cool. something to it, but yeah, they're wondering if they may have, finally found it but there's a long way to dig and a long well, way to go one of the theories and i don't know if this was what they're talking about is we became that advanced and then we basically killed each other nuclear war and it basically reset there was a cat there was a cataclysmic event that reset everything it reset everything we're about there now and there so <laughs> anyway the guys that made this like i've listened to them a few times on other podcasts and stuff because what they have to say is really interesting to me I think it's worth exploring. What I hate is when someone says, hey, this thing might have happened. And they're like, no, we don't believe that just because we don't believe it. Like, 
there's evidence. So go explore that evidence. Yeah. What, what harm does that bring to like, that's ask, the scientific process. Ask like the questions. Yeah. And so ask the questions, do the research. And if it turns out that no, it is just all garbage. Okay. Fine. At least we've explored it. It is really interesting stuff. It isn't as crazy as like fucking ancient aliens that holy shit, that stuff is out there. <laughs> like alien Dave is a, it's a weird dude, man. Um, but the ancient apocalypse series was, was really quite interesting to me. Um, it felt way more educational than it did conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. I don't know if that's yeah. even a thing, but that's conspiracy Chris for you. That's, those are some of the things that I well, actually conspiracy have. Chris, I'm moving on to Salt Lake since we were, since we're about Utah here. That bomb threat about Sean's oh, yeah. it's all been, been cleared. Everything's Good job. fine. Good yep. job. She's nothing to see here, folks. No patients died. No, but she did have to get like rerouted. She couldn't figure out where to park. She was like in contact with her unit trying to figure out where she needed to go because things were all rerouted and she yeah. needed to get up to her unit. So interesting. Well, I'm glad she's safe and didn't die from a bomb like I Yeah, because said. she's not responding because I'm sure now she's like at she's work and working. she's probably like running late and so they're probably like they're trying all to catch up because and stuff. People, because it happened right at shift change. Yeah, like, it was, I think they cleared it at 645 and shift change at nurses, 7. Nurses so. work at uh, 7 to 7, man. That's the shift for nurses. So, um, Anyway, hopefully you guys liked the show. Um, I really enjoyed that interview. Um, and you can follow us out on social media at TNU Podcast. Please share the episode. Uh, that's what we like and what helps us the most. And, um, you know, gobble, gobble, it's Turkey Day coming up. And any of you fuckers that decorated for Christmas, uh, you can fuck right off. That holiday's not here yet. <laughs> Day after Thanksgiving, you can do whatever oh, you want. And Jeremy might have a grandbaby by the next show. I should have one by the next show. If you don't say she's going to the hospital like tomorrow. If you so. don't have a grandbaby by the next show, something went horribly wrong. Yeah. And you need to go murder the doctor that let her go for as long as whoever let her go. Yeah. I should hopefully have a grandbaby by tomorrow. When I hear stories of people that are in labor for like two and three days, I'm like, who the fuck is their doctor? Yeah. Well, that just happens though sometimes. Like that's actually nat pretty natural. No. It, I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean like in the hospital in labor for that long? Not usually, but but being in labor for well, that yeah, long. Well, yeah, sure. Because that's a... You're squeezing out but a big But mine thing. is not like, in the hospital. No, I know. She's fine. She's she's going through the natural process yep. of birth. So it's nice that they didn't induce her. Yeah. Um, she's uncomfortable, but it's doing well, its thing. Hey, she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's her fault. This is called a consequence of this your action. This particular one, yes. Not always... You Pregnancy is not always the woman's fault. This one this was one her was. idea. Yeah, this was <laughs> this, this was, was this was her this decision. Was intentional pregnancy. Yeah. This is the consequence of you getting pregnant. It, it's not all easy. <laughs> so anyway, hopefully you guys have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>